I think a lot of you assume, and it's probably because I'm wearing a soccer jersey, a lot of you assume that I don't know anything about football, American football, and uh, that is, could be further from the truth. I know all about the game. I know that there are, um, there are throwers and there are catchers, um, there are runners, there are guys the size of houses who just have to get in the way, but here's what I also know. I also know that there are kickers. There are guys on the teams whose job it is to kick the ball, and they're very important because after you score a touchdown, the guy comes out and he has to kick it through the uprights. And um, what I also know is that very often in some of these very close games, it can come down to the very end, and the game could be decided by a field goal. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, it can be the, the very end of the game, and they bring the guy out. He's a long way down the field. And so a game that has been played for, I think, about nine hours is how long each game takes. A game that's been played for a long, long time and there's been a lot of throwing and tackling and running and things like that, ultimately is decided by the guy who was the best soccer player in high school. So I'm telling you, I'm telling you, kids, stay in school and play soccer. It's, it's, it's the greatest game and it will help you become the most important person on an American football team. But... I will be honest, um, when I watch, I do enjoy watching, but I really don't have a clue about most of what's happening as far as the rules and the regulations, that kind of thing. So what I did this week, because I had an idea of a direction I wanted to go with my message, because even though we have some fun on um, Super Bowl Sunday, we still want to share um, what we believe the Bible teaches on different things, but we try and kind of bring it to the theme of, of football or sports. A few times we've done kind of commercials and used those as a theme to, uh, to share a message on. And, and I wanted to talk about something this year, and I wants to make sure that what I was saying was an accurate analogy. So um, this last week, I got together with uh, my good friend, Jeff Klinky. Now, some of you may know Jeff. Jeff is uh, Whitney, one of our pastor's husbands, and uh, he attends here at Connect. And Jeff was a very keen footballer in high school, back, high school back in the day. He played uh, football for Washington High School. And uh, a few years back, Jeff actually got to play. You can see him here, okay? This was the alumni game. If you guys remember this, I think it was 2017, Washington played Metamorphosis. They did this big alumni game, and they brought back all these players from years gone by. They had cheerleaders from years gone by. They had bands at halftime from years gone by. I mean, everyone was reliving their high school days. It was a great, great experience. And I was talking to Jeff this week, and the reason I remember Jeff being in that game is because I remember at the time they were attending Connect, Jeff and Whitney, and uh, we got talking one day in the lobby, and Jeff pointed out that the game was actually scheduled for the exact same date as his wife's due date for their second child. <laughs> I was like, dude, what? that's, that's kind of, he's like, I know, he goes, I'm really hoping that she either comes, goes early or late, you know, because if, if she goes into labor on the day of the game, I'm gonna have to choose, do I play or do I go to the hospital? I was like, what are you gonna do? He's like, well, I mean, I was at the hospital for my first child, so I don't really have to, I mean, this is a big game. And fortunately for Jeff and for Whitney and for Finn, the little boy, he was there at the hospital, correct? He was there at when the, yes, yes. And either just before or just after, I forget, was the game. He got to play in the game as well. I think he might have actually been MVP in that game. He had a, uh, was he MVP? He was, yes, his proud wife's nodding away here in the front. So, um, and it was funny watching some of these folks who have been out of high school for years, and this was like, I get to go back. I get to relive the days where I was. So I said to Jeff, I said, Jeff, help me understand this game of football, because I understand that in football, there's a playbook. 
And he said, there is, there is. And um, I understand, you know, that when you're playing the game of football, there's a lot of time spent training physically, you know, and you do a lot of different things. But he said, there is also a lot of time spent studying this playbook. And he said, everybody on the team has to study it, not even just the people who, and I mean, look at that. It's like learning a foreign language. I have no idea what any of that even means, but, but that is the playbook, and they learn these plays because when you go out onto the field, the coach and the quarterback, you know, they've talked about what the play is, and they've looked at the other team, and they've figured out what the best plays are for that particular game. So, so it's very important that the team all knows the plays. They need to know the playbook really well because many players are involved, and when they play um, a specific play, each one has to be in the right spot at the right time. I said, Jeff, well, what happens when you follow a play and you've planned it out, but then everything goes wrong? Chaos in the field, the other team does something you weren't expecting. He says, well, in high school, you kind of have to improvise a little bit, but the more professional you get, like in these professional games, they won't have just memorized one play. They'll have memorized all these different plays so that even if things don't go right, they've still got other options and they've practiced and they've rehearsed and they've, they've followed their playbook. I said, so if a quarterback was out there and he decided, you know what, forget the playbook, I'm going to do whatever I want, and he just messed up and he did something wrong, how's the coach going to feel? He's oh, he'd be in so much trouble. Because it's drilled into us that we've got to follow the playbook. We've got to learn those plays. And, and, and even when it gets chaotic, even when things don't go as planned, there's still things we've learned that we have to follow from our training and from studying that playbook. And as I was talking to him, it kind of reaffirmed what I was thinking, because as followers of Jesus, you know, We've got a playbook. As followers of Jesus, we have a playbook. It's the Bible. And it's wonderful. And it's, it's our um, playbook that we can study and we can read. And it kind of shows us how we can live our lives as Jesus followers. In fact, in the Bible, it talks about the Bible. So Paul was writing to Timothy, and he's talking about the, the, the words of the Scriptures. He's talking about the words of the Old Testament, the letters he's writing. He says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all Scripture is inspired by God, and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses this to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. You know, when you read the Old Testament, you read these stories about the people of Israel and God speaking to them. And, and sometimes we think, man, it would just be so much easier if God just spoke like that, you know, like a, a burning bush or these, these amazing examples of God speaking. And the reality is we are so much more fortunate than the folks who lived in Bible times because we have the word of God. God speaks to us today through this. As we read this and as we learn it, it's God's voice speaking into our lives. Listen to what he says about it in the Psalms. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. I don't know about you, but that gives me some, some comfort and peace this morning knowing that God loves me so much that he's literally given me a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. As I go through life, I don't have to walk blindly in the dark. The God is there guiding me through his word. Even Jesus, when he came along, God in the flesh continued to speak to us. Matthew 7, 24, Jesus said, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
Jesus is saying, if you listen to these words, if you obey these words, if you put them into practice in your life, it's like you're building a house on a rock. It's a strong foundation. When the storms come, when, when troubles come, you've got this strong foundation that you've built your life upon. This is our playbook. And by reading it and coming to church on a Sunday and, and learning more about it, by being part of a group, we get to learn more about this playbook that God has put in our lives. And as we come into contact through this book with the creator of the universe, we are faced with a choice. Every one of us here this morning, every one of us back home watching online, our friends, our family members, our neighbors, we have this choice. We can look at the words in this book and we can choose to reject it. We can say, yeah, that's not for me. I, I don't wanna follow that. And God gives us free will. We have free will here this morning and we can choose to say, no, I reject that. We can turn our backs to him. Or we can redirect. We can redirect our lives. We can, we can read this and it can cause us to change the direction our lives are going. You may have heard the word before, sometimes in church, the word repent. It's a great word because it really just kind of sums up what we, as followers of Jesus, did. That moment we asked Jesus to be the Lord of our lives. Repent literally means to turn around. It's like a U-turn. So when you hear people talking about how they became a Christian, they repented, it means that I, I got to a point in my life where I knew my life was headed in one direction. And this encounter I had with Jesus, this understanding I had of who Jesus was, it actually caused me to turn around, to redirect my life and to go another way. Many people here this morning watching online could tell you, yes, I remember. I remember that time where I made that choice to redirect. Faced with a choice of either reject or redirect, I chose to redirect. And those are the two choices that we're faced with. However, I feel like one of the problems we're kind of running into a little bit these days is that we've come up with another option. Instead of rejecting or redirecting, we've chosen this third option, that's reshape. Reshape. If you go back to the very beginning, you can read about uh, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and creation and God's created this beautiful world for them to live in. And if you remember the story, there's a point where the devil, is a, in the form of a serpent, comes to Eve and, and he tempts her. And there's one tree that God has said, you can't eat from this tree. This is uh, the only tree you can't eat from. Everywhere else, you can, you can do what you want, but don't eat from this. And, and the way the devil tempted Eve was he came to her and he said, did God really say that? Is that really what God said? And that's what introduced this temptation so Eve making the wrong decision, Adam making the wrong decision, sin entering the world. And I think that's a challenge still for us today. I think the devil still uses that today. As, as we grab our playbooks and we start to study and we start to choose to live our lives a certain way, we, we come to some things that we read and we're like, well, did God really say that? Does that really apply to me? Does that really apply to, to this situation? And, and rather than repent, or sorry, redirect, or reject, we find ourselves reshaping, like, well, maybe this or maybe that, and, and just kind of turn in a little bit of what it says. So I think the challenge for all of us this morning when it comes to this playbook is to look at everything in our lives through this lens, to ask ourselves this question in all situations, what does the gospel have to say about that? 
What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news of Jesus. What is the good news of Jesus? What does Jesus' teachings have to say about this situation? If I'm facing this and I've got a difficult decision to make or this situation is happening in my life right now or I feel like I've got to do this or I feel like I shouldn't be doing this, rather than just kind of go with what we think is the right thing, what does the gospel have to say about that? If I read the teachings of Jesus, what did Jesus say about that? Because this is just this is why we just spent five weeks looking at rediscovering church. Because sometimes when you're alone with this book, just reading it by yourself, it can be confusing. It can be difficult to understand. We had a, um, a great night Wednesday night. We kicked off our uh, midweek groups and uh, Casey and I are leading a group and the group we were leading, there was great conversations we had and one of the folks in the group said, you know, I'm, I'm listening to the Bible in a year. This, this app I've got, and it, it goes through the Bible a year. I get to listen to the Bible we've read and he says, I'm, I'm about 60 days in and, and some of this is really difficult to understand. And it is, some of the early parts of the Old Testament, you know, and just reading that all alone by yourself, it can be tricky to figure out why they keep sacrificing everything. What is up with all this? So being a part of a church here in Scripture taught and unpacking it together in groups, this helps you stay balanced in your understanding of all that's in this playbook. And this isn't new. Listen to what Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.13. He said, until I come... Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. You know, back in the New Testament times, when Paul would write letters to these churches, and the church wasn't like, oh, Connect Church, uh, 1750 Washington Road. He was writing to the church of Philippi, which would consist of different groups of Jesus followers meeting in homes and different places all around the city of Philippi. And there would come a point where either they'd all gather together or in their homes, they would read these letters together. But like Paul says, it was the public reading of Scripture. Someone would stand up and they would read it aloud. And they would discuss it and they would talk about it rather than just someone by themselves alone in a room reading it, trying to figure out what he or she thinks it means. So we use this like a lens, we use this like a, a roadmap. This helps, this, our playbook helps show us the plays we have to make in the situations that we find ourselves in. And do you wanna know how you can determine how well you're doing at following the playbook? I'll tell you how. You take a test. We moved um, to Washington from Lake Zurich. We were living up there uh, for seven years, working with a church up there years ago. And we moved back here in uh, 2007, I think it was. Does that sound right, Case? Yep, 2007, she's nodding. Um, and our son was, um, he was gonna be going into first grade. So he'd done his kindergarten year up in Lake Zurich. And he was our oldest son. He was our first son in school. So I'm, I'm kind of figuring school out for the first time as a parent, you know. And I remember coming back here and we were looking at houses to buy. And we actually met with a principal um, of the grade school here that Ben was going to be attending. And we, we sat down with her and we were talking to her and uh, we said, you know, Ben did kindergarten in Lake Zurich, you know, he'll be coming to first grade here, we want to know more about the school, this kind of thing. And she said, that's great. She said, well, what we'll do is before, you know, the beginning of the year, he'll do a test and that'll help us determine where he's at. And I remember sitting there in the office saying, oh, he's fine, he's great. Honestly, my kid is so smart, because all our kids are incredibly smart, aren't they? Let's be honest. I mean, we, so I remember sitting there with this principal saying, oh, he'll, almost saying you won't even need to do a test. Trust me, he's brilliant. He's brilliant. It's just like his dad. <laughs> <laughs> then we're definitely testing him. Um, 
I, I, was, I was thinking, well, why test him? You know, just take my word for it. But the reality is, I could really convince this, this principle of how wonderful my son is. But the reality is, we're only gonna know how prepared Ben is for first grade after he takes this test, some reading, some writing, some vocabulary, some math maybe, whatever it was, and that test would determine how much he'd learned in this kindergarten at this other school and how prepared he was for first grade in this school. And I think as followers of Jesus, we, we live our lives, and, and a lot of the time we're living our lives and things are going great, and then something will happen. Something will happen in our lives that we weren't expecting. There'll be a change in a situation at work, or maybe a, something happens in the family, and, and whatever it may be, it's almost like in that moment the test is taken, and we get to discover what grade we got and how well we've learned to understand what the playbook teaches. We get to figure out whether we've in the midst of that test, gone to the gospel to see what that has to say or whether we've just responded and reshaped Jesus to how we want to respond to that situation. You know, it's been funny over the last couple of years, obviously it's been a, a real trying time for the world. COVID has put us into this crazy situation, you know, and it's just had so much impact globally and nationally and locally. And, and it's been hard as a pastor because I've had to, you know, um, lead a church through these last couple of years. And um, there have been situations where folks who love Jesus are thinking this is the right solution. And other folks who love Jesus think this is the right solution. And there's been conflict. And um, so it's really kind of been watching how we as Jesus followers handle some of these tests that the world throws our way, but I still love the church. The scripture says that we are the bride of Christ, and I really believe that we are the hope for this world. We are the ones who will change this world, who will reach people who don't yet know Jesus. And I know that the bride of Christ, the church, has faced some incredible trials and difficulties over the last 2,000 years, but she is still God's greatest plan to reach lost people for him. And maybe they are like me. Maybe you think, okay, we seem to have been through the worst of it now. We can kind of settle back to uh, life as normal. You know, things have calmed down. And then something else happens and something changes. And straight away, as Jesus follows, we're faced with that test again. For those who don't know, this, this actually happened in this last week. We had a, a situation here, well, actually, I say here, across the state of Illinois, but it impacted us here locally as schools were faced with a difficult decision because uh, the mask mandate was challenged in the courts and it was overturned. And then schools had to decide, are we going to still follow the mandate or are we going to um, make it masks optional? And a lot of schools were uh, conflicted and some went one way and some went other way and, and parents were conflicted because some felt it should have gone one way and others felt it should have gone another way. So there was just a lot of chaos and drama over this last week. As you can imagine, there were strong feelings on what the best option should be from both sides of the argument. And followers of Jesus had strong feelings on this as well. If I know there are people here this morning and people watching online who have opposing views on the best solution. And both those views are shaped by your relationship with Jesus. It's through my faith, it's through my understanding of this playbook that I've come to this place. But in the midst of the chaos, I want to ask us, did we stop, did we spend time to determine what does the gospel have to say about this? Or did we jump right into the dangerous area of maybe reshaping? Because the truth is, this isn't a black and white situation. This one of this last week. When you consider the physical, mental, emotional health of an individual, it's hard to come up with a perfect solution. 
And it may well be that as you study the word and you talk to other followers of Jesus and you strive to talk to other followers of Jesus who maybe don't think the same as you on this, you might learn that this is a, a good solution or this, but, you, but at the end of the day, there'll be people that will still think differently and that's okay. Because we've talked about this before at Connect. We wanna be a church that shows unity in diversity. That's a great thing to show to the world outside that we can have different opinions and still gather together to love Jesus and worship together and accept that whatever's going on in the world, there's something even more important and that is that Jesus died to rescue lost people. And we have this great message to share. And here's the thing, like for example, this situation over the last week with the mask mandate, while the Bible, our playbook, may not give a specific solution to this dilemma, and while there may be followers of Jesus who, who believe from their understanding of Scripture that this is the answer, and there are others who believe from their understanding of Scripture that this is the answer, I think it does give us some black and white guidance in this subject. For example, Proverbs 17, 27 says this, the one who has knowledge uses words with restraint and whoever has understanding is even tempered. James in the New Testament says this, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry. You see, don't be wrong here this morning. It's not wrong to have a voice. We have to stand up for what we think is right. And that's absolutely fine. And especially as followers of Jesus, there are situations in our life and examples that we'll face where, where we need to have a voice. We need to stand up and speak. But scripture gives us a guidance on how we should use that voice. And as followers of Jesus, how we should respond and treat others. Maybe um, this will help you this morning. This is something that I learned when it comes to, to relationship uh, advice, relationship counseling, Case and I often find ourselves in a situation where we have to meet with couples or individuals and maybe share relationship advice. And, and fortunately, Casey's been married to me for 20 plus years, so she's got a wealth of resources and knowledge.